The Secrets of Middle-Earth is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Middle-Earth, where we discuss the hidden themes and deeper layers found in the works of J.R.R. Tolkien, whether in his writings or in any of the media derived from them. I'm Thomas Salerno for a special Christmas holiday episode of the podcast. And joining me today on the panel are Patrick Mason. Hello, Pat. Hello, Tom. Merry Christmas. Oh, 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 Merry Christmas. And Jeff Hecker. Hello, Jeff. Hey, Thomas. And be sure to follow The Secrets of Middle Earth on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Pocket Casts, or your podcast app of choice. And you can follow the show on the StarQuest YouTube channel. And please do us a favor by sharing the show with your friends. You can follow StarQuest on social media. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash StarQuestMedia, or on Twitter X, where we are at SQPN, or on Instagram, where we are at StarQuest Network. And of course, don't forget, Christmas is coming up. Gift idea, guys. You can get your Secrets of Middle-Earth merch including our awesome t-shirt at sqpn.com slash merch. It's a great way for you to support the show and show your love for Tolkien and his wonderful world of Middle-earth. And I say that, but I don't even know if this episode will come out before or after Christmas. But either way, (laughs) gift ideas. It's the holiday season, guys. sqpn.com slash merch. It's great. Um, So, yeah. um, Well, of course. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, not, not only that, but last year we recorded a holiday gift, a Tolkien gift guide episode. So yes. if anyone's looking for Tolkien gifts for those people in your life, you can check those out. Yeah. Check I'm, that episode out from last or, year. Or or get it and discreetly give it to your friends. <laughs> if you're looking for ideas for me, <laughs> I've crossed off the things I already have. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, Christmas is coming or is here already. And we are discussing the letters from Father Christmas, which, if you're not familiar, is actually a collection of letters from Father Christmas, or as we know him here in America, Santa Claus, that Tolkien wrote for his children. And you may be thinking, okay, I think you mean that Father Christmas wrote them. To Tolkien's children. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, kids. (laughs) I just Tolkien inscribed them for Father Christmas. I'm just okay. Or rather, (laughs) perhaps we should say I'm sure he read them (laughs) to his kids. (laughs) Tolkien archived these letters from Father Christmas, shall we say? Uh, They conspired together. (laughs) I mean, but but, but here's the thing, like you you might be saying, well, what does this really have to do with Middle Earth? This is the secrets of Middle Earth. Even if Tolkien's kids got these letters from Father Christmas. Well, what does that have anything to do with it? Well, you may be surprised because there are some fun. Well, it's Christmas. Can we really call them Easter eggs? But. Funny little <laughs> surprises 
for Middle Earth fans are buried in these letters if you're looking for them. So that's why I wanted to discuss these. And plus, it's just fun. It's a fun holiday thing to do. Um, I actually gave a copy of the of the centenary edition of the letters to my little cousins a couple of years ago, and it was a big hit. Um, what? So, yeah, I guess we should start with like, did, have either of you guys like read these letters before? in a family context or like, when did you first encounter them or, you know, um, hear about this very interesting Tolkien book? Yeah. I, I first, I, I think I knew about them, but I first read them about a year ago, actually, probably after, I think after we did our, our gift guide episode and I was like, I should check that out. That sounds interesting. And so I, I read through them uh, last year and my kids are still a little young, probably to, get into them like they know they like christmas books and stories but they're still they're still young so but that may definitely is something i might can do with them uh next year and and beyond but yeah it's been about it i read i first read them a year ago but i think i was aware that they were they existed before that i remember it uh extremely vividly it was somewhere between two to three weeks ago (laughs) (laughs) that i found out that they existed when uh I think when you pitched doing this uh, this episode, and I was like, "Oh, I had not encountered these," and so I I picked up the Audible and uh, did that over the weekend while I tried to wrangle my yard into shape. <laughs> uh, that, that's why I love audiobooks, man, because you can just do whatever you need to do while having a great reading experience. And you know, I had I also listened to the audiobook for the first time this year, and it was like reading the letters like for the first time. It, it was just great. Uh, English actor uh, Derek Jacobi, who you've seen in probably you've seen probably all over the place because he's in a ton of stuff. But he does a great job as the voice of Father Christmas. And there's also a couple other actors on the recording who do the voices of the great polar bear and one of the elves whose name I'll save for save for later because it's a great um, Silmarillion reference. But um, yeah, I, I just I, I just love these. You know, I'm, I'm the only person on the panel here who does not have kids. But I have a lot of, you know, like I said, I have small cousins and I just I just think that these are the most charming things ever. It's just Christmas like now. Now I can't imagine like not reading these at Christmas time. They're they're just so great because, of course, you know. J.R. It's not enough for J.R.R. Tolkien to collect all these letters from Father Christmas. He has to become the curator of an entire North Pole mythos <laughs> because, of course, he does because he's Tolkien yeah. and and yeah. have languages and alphabets, you know, from the North Pole. Because because why not? <laughs> because it's Tolkien. Um but yeah, like, um, did you guys have any when you first encountered them? Did you have any like, you know, first impressions, you know, favorite thing maybe about it? There's a good idea. Like, well, what's your favorite thing about the letters of Father Christmas? I think by by far for me, the favorite is that it it starts with his, you know, it starts with his first uh, kiddo. When he's pretty young, his first son. It just continues down the line, like all the way to, to um, you know, when his his daughter turns 
13 or 14 and she, you know, no longer hangs up her stocking. Like it always goes back to that kind of reference about age and aging out of, you know, doing the kind of, uh, Christmas stuff that father Christmas would be interested in. Um, I love that. I loved how it was interestingly connected to like real world events going on. Um, like very, very pointedly towards the end in the forties the 1940s, but even in the 20s and 30s, you had a couple, a couple glimmers. Um, I will say that like the audiobook is amazing. At the same time, I really do. I'm re- I'm gonna go out and get a copy of the physical book because I want the pictures. Oh um, yeah, because it it almost every one of the letters supposedly comes with a, a picture, and you don't you don't get to see it in the audiobook, and you're just you're thinking <laughs> about it. I'm like, man, I I've always liked Tolkien's illustrations, and so I'm very interested to see what he does and if he tries to um how father christmas and and polar bears riding differs <laughs> I oh see that that's a lot of fun actually yeah. yeah and it's great like a lot of times in the letters polar bear or the elves will interject with little asides and in the centenary of version of the letters which i'll probably have a link included in the show notes you can see facsimiles of each of the letters and you can see where Polar Bear and the elves have scribbled in the margins of Father <laughs> Christmas's letters, you know, just like these these little pointed asides or like the, or the, I love in that one letter where basically uh, Polar Bear and the elf start quarreling with each other while mm-hmm. Father Christmas is trying to write. <laughs> he's just trying to, to say his piece and they're quarreling with one another in the margins. It's great. Well, what about you, Jeff? Do you have a favorite aspect of these or a favorite? Yeah, letter? I mean, it's they're they're all really really good and and fun and entertaining and um. So I mean, it's hard to pick a favorite thing, but I, the, I mean, the artwork is great. Um, I I'll point to that as one of my favorites. So definitely recommend checking that out. You know, or even better, like having the audiobook, listening to the audiobook while you look at the pictures would be a better yeah. experience i think um and, and as an aside i was thinking like this would make a cool like animated thing like if they could Thank somehow you. do like a, an yes. animated miniseries or something i was this. gonna mention that <laughs> because i um, think you could even use the letters as a framing device where like the the kids get the letter in the mail and they open it up and then there's the voiceover from father christmas and then it transitions to the North Pole. Yeah, fades to the North Pole. It forces the North Pole, the, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. I can see it yeah. all in my head right now. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yes. And even like not having any dialogue in the animation, but just being like... Father like Christmas' voiceover. Yeah, yeah, just the voiceover and, and kind of describing it and what's going on. But anyway. Yeah, um, no, because it would be an instant classic. I'm certain if if they did an animated movie of this. I'm sorry, Jeff. Go ahead. Uh, no worries. Yeah, I don't know where the rights would would lay for this because it's I I since it's outside of the legendarium. I think I don't I don't know if like, or it's included. Is it? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, well, for legal purposes, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, Not a lawyer, but yeah. But the but I the, I think one of the most what the funniest aspects is because like the the there's good stories about just North Pole and whatnot in there. But then you get stories about Santa Claus fighting goblins uh, with polar bear. And you're like, what? What is because yes. I mean, that's something that I've never heard of in, a, in Christmas. You know, Santa Claus mythos before is is of war with goblins or something. So 
Um, so I, I just think that's a cool addition uh, to it. But yeah, overall, I I mean, I read them. I first read them a year ago and just they're just really charming and really fun to read. And um, yeah, I definitely recommend checking them out, especially with if your kids are can sit. My kids can't really sit through too many too long of stories or anything right now, but hmm. hopefully we'll get there as we as they get older. What I thought was interesting is that it's not this Santa Claus is actually in one of the letters specifically mentions he's not St. Nicholas. He is Father Nicholas Christmas, and he's named, named after, after the saint. Yeah. So that's interesting. Instead of being like the, you know, embodiment of St. Nicholas, you know, as he Santa Claus is a lot of times envisioned, especially here in America. Yeah, no, he's this other entity. I've, I have heard fans um, uh, kind of cleverly referring to him as uh, to Father Christmas as the sixth Istari. The Red Wizard. <laughs> I was just thinking we're like St. Nicholas the Lesser or something. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I like it. But yeah, and he even says he has a father, Grandfather Yule, who I suppose is supposed to represent the kind of pre-Christian celebration of wintertime. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I thought yeah, that was Almost like an Odin, probably like an Odin type of kind of right. figure. Yeah. And the, these letters went on for a long time. I wrote this down. It was between 1920 to 1943. So 13 years. No, no. My math is terrible. What am I talking about? 23 years. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I blame my math teachers in grade school. But anyway. Um, <laughs> Way um, to throw your teachers under a bus, man. <laughs> My math, yeah, I never had any luck with math teachers. (laughs) I had a lot of great teachers. My math teachers were not among them. Sorry to all teachers out there, you know, like, um, but yeah, anyway, I'm I'm just batting, I'm just batting out tonight, aren't I? I'm I'm all strikes. (sighs) But, um, yeah, in any case, and then like you said, Pat, it goes through, um, uh, it goes through the, the essentially the childhoods of all four of Tolkien's children, mm-hmm. starting with John through Michael, Christopher and Priscilla. And sometimes you, you have several kids going on at once because, you know, they're all of the, you know, stocking hanging age, as they say. And um, yeah, it's, well, and he, it, it, he even writes in, I think, one of them that, you know, like I couldn't write another letter for both for, you know, I couldn't write more, multiple letters or for for everyone like so he kind of lumps puts them all in one letter from what i was from what i remember seeing in them yeah and like it it's very almost kind of bittersweet at the end like with priscilla with her last letters when he's talking about how you know like this may be the last year we do this yeah i have the like, quote Aw. pulled up that i was gonna i was gonna mention toward the end so mm. i can do it now or come back to it but yeah no go ahead since i mentioned yeah, it so- yeah, so the the quote because that that was the one thing like that really stuck with me is that, like how bittersweet it is toward the end because, um, you know it's, you know we can kind of talk more about it as we get there but the the quote was I suppose you will be hanging up your stocking just once more, I hope so for I still have before I have still a few things for you, after this I shall have to say goodbye more or less I mean I shall not forget you. And I think he goes on to say something like, I have other children, there'll be other children to take care of kind of a thing. But yeah, definitely like a bittersweet 
like because it's you know Tolkien's himself, you know, inscribing the letters from Father Christmas, but it's the last time he's he's going to be doing that as a father. And you know, I I don't know if I'm assuming he didn't necessarily do that as a grandfather, or at least it's not been published as for his um, grandchildren. Um, oh yeah, but now I'm curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah and- definitely bittersweet as it gets to the end because it's you know as my kids are young, so we're you know Santa Claus is very much still a thing, and um, you know it's always fun to do that. But I know like I don't remember when when we kind of stopped that as growing up. Um, but yeah, d- definitely. A, it'll be a little bit emotional probably when we get there. I want to yeah. know where he's finding the time to do this <laughs> with his like professor job. And not only is like creating these letters and Arctic languages and this fantastic art. I'm like, man, I'm like, I, I got to step up my game here as like a creative person. <laughs> I well, got plenty of time. Like I'm not doing it here because he. But yeah, he's like the greatest procrastinator because doesn't he, he? He started some of this like he started The Hobbit when he saw a, a term paper, basically like that he was grading. And it's like from oh, and what he's I've, procrastinating. Yeah. Yeah. From what I've understand about him, it's like he didn't he didn't really love the grading of papers and <laughs> thought it was really boring and tedious. So he. Yeah. So this this was this that. was as the result of his procrastinating. Like this was the creative work he did instead of like instead we as, of yeah. paper. Like we go to like TV or video games or something. He's like, I'm gonna write a, a fun thing to my kids and draw a picture. <laughs> oh, did did you like how the the Hobbit actually appears mm-hmm. in the book? The, the the book The Hobbit is mentioned yeah. as a possible Christmas gift. He's like, but I'm sure you guys have it already. And so it's like <laughs> Tolkien promoting his own book. Well, and from what I've read too, like the letters would come in like envelopes with like glitter or like dust, like looking like snow and things like that. So it like it does look like it comes from the North Pole for. Uh, and apparently so. he conspired with the postman. To actually have them delivered via the real mail. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Which is, that, that's another thing. I feel that these letters are another window into Tolkien's um, playful side. You know, we think of him as kind of the, the, the college professor, you know. But he had this really playful side and loved, you know, he loved children. He loved you know, games and he loved jokes. He was, you know, a very, you know, in 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 the recent book uh, by Holly Ordway, Tolkien's Faith, there are some just outrageous stories about some of the practical jokes he would pull. <laughs> and I feel like these these letters and some of the things happen that happen in them are kind of like a window into Tolkien's sense of humor, which I think is really is really great. Yeah, I like how, you know, that it. The, the letters start kind of simply, you know, about Father Christmas. And then you you rapidly have the introduction of Polar Bear, who is sort of yes. the, the setting up of the odd couple scenario where you have this clumsy kind of oafish, um, doesn't know what he's doing, but always provides a good story <laughs> and um, and gives Father Christmas an out for, for, you know, being so late with the letter or for not sending the right thing or for... <laughs> <laughs> for it being so uh dark one year and and um those and and just sort of the evolution of that 
relationship over the course of the of the letters you know you kind of have it's almost sort of like a polar bear goes from being kind of a pet to being sort of a almost a frenemy (laughs) to being like oh he's my dear old friend kind of a thing um yeah as you were talking i was just thinking like he's it's very much like pippin and gandalf in lord of the rings like (laughs) yeah pippin kind of starts off messing things up and gandalf's like and it's maybe more pronounced in the films but he's you know full of a took and getting you you know are there kind of shades of bayorn in the great polar bear bayorn from the hobbit definitely possible not just that, that he's a bear, but now. I think bits of his personality that kind because of, sometimes Bayorn can be, I mean, Bayorn's scary and Polar Bear can be scary when he wants to be. But like also Bayorn has a little bit of a silly side like that when when he picks Bilbo up and is poking his 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 like, you know, chubby belly and stuff. And he's like, yeah. little bunnies been eating too much bread and honey or something like that. I'm like, so I, I feel like there are shades of Bayorn in the great polar bear. Maybe he's a Bayorning. He's like, because he's yeah. clearly not a normal bear. He can talk and, and do all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So, like he's a surviving Bayorning. Yeah, it goes from writing with his mouth to writing with his paws or from from painting to writing or however it is that he goes um yeah i it, it's interesting to me cuz like the it the letters are very much kind of about you know their sort of misadventures together and the the blowing up of the house and the moving <laughs> of it and just the, just the crazy stuff and you know the changing of the address and the poor north pole getting broken um <laughs> and then like I don't remember. It seems like kind of, you know, and some sometime in the 30s, like they take a really wild turn and suddenly like goblins show up and you're like, wait a minute. What what am I reading here? <laughs> like, what, what is going on? Yeah, well, it definitely mirrors the real world events of even before World War Two of uh, yeah. what was happening in Europe. With, <laughs> well, even kind of mentions as an aside, like there are goblin outbreaks happening all over the world as if like the fascists or goblins. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, he, he uses a lot of the, um, the misadventures of polar bear and, and father Christmas to kind of explain away the, the depression, right? Like, Oh, mm. we don't, we don't have these toys for you anymore because the goblins stole them, or we don't have these things because, you know, polar bear found fell down the stairs and lit the thing on fire. <laughs> you know, we don't we I don't have these in the stores right now. So all I got, you know, I got you this. Hopefully it's enough. But um, hopefully and, and you you look at the years and you're like, oh, yeah, those were kind of those were fairly hard times uh, mm-hmm. worldwide. And um, and I'm sure Britain was still was feeling like it. You know, the British Empire at the time was still the British Empire. It hadn't had the massive transfer of wealth and power to the U.S. that occurred in World War II yet, but it it was still felt there. So, Right. But did they, and I think they may have even had some debt to the U.S. from World War One that they hadn't paid off yet. So I feel like there was that kind of pressure on the British economy as well. Yeah, it's like so it is kind of a mirror to the real world, which is interesting, you know, like 
Santa Claus is not this person who exists in some other world. It, it's like Middle Earth. You know, M- Middle Earth is the real world, just eons in the past. And so Father Christmas exists in the real world. He's not in another dimension. He's not. I was just going to say he's not in Narnia, but he actually is. But <laughs> he does show up in Narnia. Yeah, that's, that's right, another thing. Like, is it the same Father Christmas? In my head canon, it is. <laughs> I mean, I would assume yes. Yeah, <laughs> it just makes it just the makes sense. multiverse. Yeah, yeah, the Tolkien Lewis multiverse share a Father Christmas because the Narnia Father Christmas is awesome. He gives you swords and shields and stuff. So <laughs> he gives you like <laughs> solid presents. Like these are useful. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, the, the great polar bear and it's not, and I love how it's, it snowballs, pardon the pun, into having all kinds of other characters where you, they introduce his nephews. I'm not even going to try to pronounce their names, but yeah, you, you've got his nephews, you've got the cave bear, you've got the cave bear's nephews, you've got snowman, the gardener, who <laughs> gets pushed off a cliff at one yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> but he survives. He's fine. But like... What's interesting, like, like, Snowman the Gardener, the, fir- the first time he shows up, he's getting pushed off a cliff, and, and Father Christmas makes this offhand comment about, well, we'll have to build ourselves a new gardener. And then the next time it's like, oh no, they're not like regular snowmen. They're different. And I'm like, uh huh. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I'm calling you out on that, Tolkien. I was like, he's totally a snowman. Snowman. He, mm-hmm. It's just that he's alive mm-hmm. and can be put back together. Yeah, I almost wish we had like the rea- had some kind of reactions from Tolkien's children on this. Like, if they heard the snowman got pushed off a cliff, like. What was their reaction to that? <laughs> so probably in the next letter, he's like, it's okay, kids. He, he can't really get her. Yep. You see like Tolkien coming a corner. worrying about the snowman. Yeah, his kid is just like crying in the corner with the, the letters. Like, oh no, what happened? Snowman died. Like, oh, I shouldn't have put that in there. <laughs> but he's like, it, it, yeah, it's like, I, and at first I was imagining him just like Olaf from Frozen. Mm-hmm. Like, you could just put him back together. Like, it's fine, but, or, like, they they say, like, at one point, he falls asleep on the couch, and then the snowman does, doesn't melt, for some reason, and then Polar Bear just stuffs him under the couch, like, for no reason. Was that, <laughs> was that the snowman, or was that the man in the moon? Oh, no, you're totally right. That's the man in the moon. Yeah, yeah. another character who made kind of a cameo. Yeah. Really. The man in the moon, and I'm thinking, is this the same man in the moon from Roverandom? One of his other kids' stories. Because if it is, that means he's a wizard. <laughs> because the man in the moon is a wizard in that book. And I, I think it is because they mentioned dragons living on the moon, which is a thing in Roverandom. That's the thing. There is a crazy cast of characters <laughs> in these letters. <laughs> And we haven't even mentioned Father Christmas's secretary, an elf named Ilbereth. That's right. <laughs> Ilbereth, if that sounds familiar to any of you out there, is because it's one letter off from Elbereth. 
which if you remember the Lord of the Rings, that is an alternative name for Varda, who is the Vala. She is Manway's wife and is queen of the stars. Um, in this, in, instead of E-L, it's spelled I-L. And this elf, Ilbereth, is a guy instead of a woman like Varda is. But I'm like, that. that is not coincidental. He purposefully chose that name. Like, what, Pat, what did you think when, uh, when, when the elf mentions his name in the audio book? Did that strike you? Yeah, it did. It, that struck me. Um, I want to say there's some other, like he says some of the words at some point that the, that they come out of the cave bears cave system mm-hmm. from the, the, and he says them and I'm like, is that, is that elvish? <laughs> that sounds awfully <laughs> elvish to me. <laughs> right. And so, um, yeah, that kind of like, it caught me and I was like, okay, I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to go figure out who that was exactly. <laughs> because I remember Elbreth. I'm like, I wonder if there was anybody named Elbreth. But I wasn't sure. Yeah, I don't think there's a specific elf in the legendarium named Elbereth, but it's clearly a reference mm-hmm. to Elbereth. And I'm like, I'm like, that's. And the other thing is, like, he, he calls some of the elves gnomes. Mm-hmm. which in very early drafts of the Silmarillion was going to be the name of the Noldor. Right. They were going to be called gnomes. And he says that the gnomes are the bitterest enemies of the, the goblins, which is true. You know, you have all the wars of Beleriand with the Noldor fighting the, the goblins. And he even mentions in one of the later letters, he's like, the goblins are, you know, uh, this is their biggest effort to recapture the North. Mm-hmm. And if you remember from the Silmarillion, Morgoth has his giant fortress up in the north of Middle Earth where it's always cold. So I'm like, what? I'm like, are you trying to bring the legendarium into this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was trying to quickly like web search and see if there was any uh, like if, if Ilbereth had ever been translated into like Sindarin because uh, because Elbereth is queen of the stars in, in Sindarin. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was trying to see if there was anything, uh, but I couldn't find anything quickly. So I'm sure if if anyone's fluent in, in Sindarin out there, please let us know uh, <laughs> if Ilbereth translates into anything. But yeah, I wonder if it might be the um, the masculine form. It could be. Oh. I was... If I was a betting man, that's what I would bet on, which probably means it's not true, but <laughs> <laughs> I love the goblin alphabet, by the way, which, Pat, you wouldn't have seen because of the audio version. But there in the uh, in the centenary edition, there is a facsimile of that that piece of paper with the goblin alphabet that they send the kids. The one that's it, where it, it's it's red up and down like Japanese, like they they, they mention it at one point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's like a bunch of like scratch marks almost. Yeah, or they almost look like, like on a cave wall or something. They look like very early hieroglyph, hieroglyphs. You know, like very primitive. Like they look kind of like almost like people, but then like they're, they're very weird looking letters, which which was intended. They're supposed to be kind of unsettling, but 
Yeah, as soon as the goblin tunnels come in, every everything gets blown wide open. And these letters are no longer just I got you that train set that you wanted. Now <laughs> now yeah. it's it, it's it's a real story. Yeah, as the kids grew, they had to had to kind of keep their interests with something and like playing soldier was probably a big thing for for boys uh back in in those days. So, like having describing battle and stuff would would have been something that piqued uh the the boy's interest and i love how um in in the early in the late 30 in 1939 world war ii starts affecting the letters where he mentions several times this horrible war and how he mentions how you know people have lost their homes he the the penguins that arrive at the north pole he calls evacuees which was the same name that a lot of the children had when they were evacuated out of London into the countryside um, to avoid the Blitz. Those kids were called evacuees, like another Narnia connection, like the Pevensey kids. Right. Yeah, yeah, they're evacuees. And I think it's, it's in 41, at the height of World War II, that the biggest goblin battle happens in the letters. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Is it 41 or 40? Is it 41 or 42? My note says 1941. Okay. But you may be right. I mean, uh, it's the one where he says, my house was besieged. And I'm like, oh, whoa. I'm like, okay. (laughs) It's surrounded by an entire army. And the the polar bear is firing off like rockets rockets or something. (laughs) He's the artillery man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just imagining that imagining that big Soviet rocket launcher, the Katusha, and from World War Two. It's like, and I'm just yeah. like, this is insane. <laughs> yeah, I I love I love the like, you know, Father Christmas is like it must have been you know thousands and and polar bears like hundreds of millions. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> yeah, it, it's unlike. Any other Santa Claus story you've ever seen anywhere? Like, I, I don't know what to compare it to. You know? <laughs> you know what, pop- <laughs> what hilariously pops into my mind is if you've seen uh, the movie Scrooged, which is a, a take on the Charles Dickens novel, um, A Christmas Carol, uh, with Bill Murray. And it start the very beginning of that movie starts with a fake movie involving Santa Claus being attacked by terrorists <laughs> and it's like what? an action movie <laughs> with the and you know I, I can't one of the major action stars at the time you know in the 80s was like saving Christmas and Santa and, <laughs> and there's there's uh is it Violent Night that's out that's kind of a more modern one with uh David Harbour from Stranger Things as Santa Claus <laughs> and he's like fighting off like Russian like mobsters or something and that are like attacking a house or something yeah i feel like there's like a graphic novel that has a very similar premise where it's like santa claus is basically the punisher and he's going around like shooting people it's like like the santa robot from uh from futurama from futurama Futurama. Was almost turning in like Father Christmas is almost becoming like Saint Nick, like the actual Saint Nicholas who 
punched er- <laughs> punched a heretic out of out of council. Right, supposedly One of the church councils yeah. and is, <laughs> is famous for that. Yep. I love telling that stories to my confirmation kids. Like the first oh. time I tell it. <laughs> One of my favorite saints is Saint Nicholas. He punched a heretic and they're like, What what? <laughs> and I know let my um there is a Byzantine Catholic parish that I go to occasionally with my family and they um they have it it it's not a relic of well I guess it is kind of a relic of Saint Nicholas because like supposedly his his bones exude this fluid and it's collected in these little bottles and it's supposed to have you know curative properties. I think it's called like actually I'm I'm gonna look this up. So okay. I don't like say the wrong okay. thing. Yeah, I was say I've a, not not heard of that. I, would, I yeah. wouldn't. How would you class like? Because there'd be a class two relic. Because it's, I guess it'd be a class the, the mana of Saint Nicholas. It's called. yeah, the mana of Saint coming Nicholas. from yeah. his body, and his from body his would bone. be the class one relic. Class one point five. <laughs> I know because it's not quite a two. It's also not his body. The, so the man, I have never heard of this. The man of St. Nicholas. That's awesome. Hmm. Yeah. The man of St. Nicholas. Yeah. I'm just, I, I'm just looking it up and reading about it now where, yeah, it exuded transparent. It's a transparent fluid. Th- th- there is so much cool stuff about St. Nicholas or, and like, and, and the Santa Claus mythos, but yeah, like I just I I now have this vision of like Father Christmas bursting into a Byzantine church and being like, "Do you have any mana of Saint Nicholas?" Like he's all burnt and scarred because he's been fighting the goblins, and he's oh, like, "Do no. you have any mana of Saint Nicholas?" And everybody in the church being like, "What?" <laughs> Another little um, and this is just a weird thing that's in my notes, like. You remember on the cave paintings, because there's like, a, again, if, if you have the book version, it's great. Like he shows like all the cave paintings that are on the goblin tunnels. And then some of them were actually done by human beings and others by goblins later. There's like a unique species of horse that goblins ride. Drossils, they're called. And it, Father Christmas describes them as looking like a, a cross between a dachshund and a horse. <laughs> So they're kind of like a warg. <laughs> I guess. A dachshund and a horse. I, I mean, mean, you can't get more different. Like, because <laughs> dachshunds are bred for weasel hunting. Like, they're, yeah. they're small and short legs for that purpose so they can go down the tunnels. Hmm. Which I, I guess think makes you meant sense. Because, like, they're long and thin. Yeah. That would make sense in, inside of goblin tunnels. You'd, you'd yeah. want a horse like that. You know what? That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. The huh. the warg in Rings of Power looked like a chihuahua <laughs> instead of a well, I was the, thinking of the ones from like Lord of the Rings that were like Yeah. Like kind of like a more of like a hyena type of hyena, thing. Hyena, yeah. We've never gotten and then in the Hobbit they're like more explicitly wolf-like in the Hobbit movies. They have not been consistent at all with these animals through no. the course of like the different adaptation. One of the few things I liked better in the Hobbit movie. <laughs> oh, was like, the warg design? Yeah, I like the yeah. I like them being wolfish, right? That mm-hmm. always kind of struck me as a that would 
they would be wolfish, sort of the get of uh, Fenrir kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, and less like a hyena, which, I mean... But there were hyenas in Europe tens of thousands of years ago, but it kind of breaks the, like, the sort of quasi-medieval sort of setting of Middle Earth. Man, we have gotten, like, way off track. We should get back to Father <laughs> Christmas. But, um... But it just that, shows you how crazy the story is that like gets it spawns all these it spawns topics. all these different topics yeah and I mean that that's the thing like these are not long I mean like you could do a thing where like, I've heard people do it where like they read a letter a day to their kids up until Christmas but like you could you like the audiobook's only two hours long and you could read the book in like an afternoon and that's why I think like it's. It's just so cool. Like as soon as I was finished, you know, because I, I did both. I read the letters and then I'm like, I just need to listen to the audiobook now. And I just <laughs> you know, within the span of two days. I just think it's a really, really fun Christmas thing. And I don't know how many even like hardcore Lord of the Rings fans know about it. I I, I hope that that's what this episode does, gets more people to read this. Yeah, because I, you know, prior to the, hey, let's do an episode about this, I I hadn't heard of him, and I consider myself to be a pretty hardcore Tolkien nerd, and or I I I'd, I'd never heard of him, <laughs> so, and they they really are a gem, and I mean, I guess the more we talk about it, the more we realize they're a, they are the overall overarching connection between all of his works and possibly also C.S. Lewis's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, the the space trilogy mentions Numenor, so if <laughs> there is like a multiverse thing going on, I feel like, um, and like yeah, like and that's the thing, like the if if we we could go and talk about some of Tolkien's other you know lesser works that are not technically in the Legendarium but have little references in it, you know, like Roverandum, which is again should be an animated movie it's a story about a dog who is enchanted by a wicked wizard into being a toy dog and he has to find his way back to his uh to his master tolkien wrote that by the way for i forget i think it was his son michael who lost his toy dog at the beach and tolkien's like no 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 you don't understand that the dog is not lost he went on an adventure to the moon and to the bottom of the sea and all this other stuff. So <laughs> that's the thing. Like, and that, that brings it back to the, the Father Christmas letters. And this would actually be a great note to kind of wrap up the conversation on is that Tolkien just seems to have been just a really great dad. He was really invested in his kids, you know, lives and wanted to share his creative passion with his kids with these different writings well what do you guys think about that uh, and i mean we did a whole episode on fatherhood where we did discuss like his 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 father him being a father along with fatherhood in in the legendarium but hmm. yeah i mean he's he's given me a bad name because i don't <laughs> i don't do any of this stuff and i'm like <laughs> like i fed you dinner and i read you a story i'm tired like it's time to go to bed <laughs> like it seems like he just like he seems like he had just I don't know what if it was the tea was really caffeinated or what, but it seemed like something kept him kept him going because but yeah, I mean, 
definitely has me like aspiring to be a better dad, like based on some of the things he did and just trying to like, trying to make it, you know, magical for them. Cause it's only going to be magical for, for so long um, with kids. So. And I mean, now that my, now that my daughter's in like, she's in elementary school now i'm like some kid's just gonna come by and say something one day and just ruin it <laughs> i'm just like oh yeah and i so i'm just like dreading that day <laughs> yeah i remember when when some kid came up to me and told me that santa claus <laughs> you know tried to teach me about santa claus and, and it ruined my whole christmas <laughs> like yeah what about you pat um what do you think about Tolkien as a dad with these stories? So, you know, because we get the very, the very much the same thing, kind of with the Tom Bombadil stuff, the tales from Tom Bombadil, and then his his inclusion of Lord of the Rings. I think, you know, the first, from my understanding, is one of the first things he wrote was the, the Fall of Gondolin, which is just a huge battle, right? Um, it's a giant battle, forces good and evil, right? And he's writing this while he's recuperating from a huge battle, uh, forces of good and evil. <laughs> Although, uh, it wasn't quite as stark a contrast as it was in World War II. But it, a lot of his stories in Middle Earth are very sorrowful. They're very sorrow laden. Um, it's always a story, almost always, is, it's, you know, lost love or broken love or, or something of that nature, you know, things gone wrong. Um, but then you have this, this other set of stories, which are centered around his children and they're, they're far more upbeat. <laughs> they're, they're much happier. Um, yeah. There's, there's a lot of good. And you, you see that interjected very clearly with Tom Bombadil and the Hobbit or not the Hobbit in the, in the Lord of the Rings. But I think the Hobbits in general are also kind of the same ilk. They sort of, they're, it's almost like they were kind of, you know, and it's sort of his impression on the English as well, but it's kind of the, the sort of happy-go-lucky people. Um, and, you know, when you're a father, like, that's, I'm not saying, like, that's all you want for your kids, is, but happiness and comfort's a pretty big goal, right? And mm. I think that that bleeds over into a lot of his work and, and into a lot of what he did, and I think I think the clearest showcase to me of that is his son, uh, Christopher. I mean, you don't, you, you don't have somebody pick up your life's work and shepherd it for the rest of their life unless they really loved you. Right. And, and so it's just, to me, like Christopher's work, uh, is a very clear ind- ind- indication that, um, you know, Jay or R. Tolkien was a good, was a good father because you wouldn't have that kind of uh, love and devotion and care uh, taken by a son unless he was, you know, well-fathered. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That the, with, you know, Christopher, you know, essentially carrying on the torch, you know, without him, you know, we're, you know, in 2024, we're going to be covering the Silmarillion and without Christopher, we we don't have that. Not as it exists, you know, and to to kind of shepherd his father's legacy in that way, you know, and they, maybe the seeds of that were planted, you know, not just by the Hobbit, but by things like these letters. 
Yeah, well, the letters came, they came before The Hobbit was written. So, I mean, this mm. was like the first, like, I think he, he, he was already, Tolkien was already writing, like, you know, the stories set in the Legendarium, like Baron and Luthien and all that, and Fall of Gondolin. But they were, those obviously weren't geared toward kids. So, like, yeah, the letters were kind of a, an introduction into, like, because The Hobbit is kind of what popularized him. Like, he wouldn't have gotten the Silmarillion public or, you know, the Silmarillion wouldn't have been published if the Hobbit had never been published. So right. it kind of, you know, you can kind of maybe see that as a, you know, I, I, you know, I don't, I'm not, I'm sure there's, there's a, a book out there that you could read. that says like the, the exact timeline for publishing the Hobbit and everything. But, um, but yeah, I'm sure that like he saw that this could be a way to, you know, tell a story that, um, and carried that on into the Hobbit and, and beyond. And that's the thing, like he's not writing these letters for publication. This wasn't supposed to be like a book. It's just for his kids, you know, and but he puts so he puts as much care into the universe around Father Christmas, as much care and devotion and love as as he put into the Middle Earth Legendarium, you know, and I just think that's that's pretty phenomenal. And, uh, yeah, so here, here's to Father Christmas. Here's to Christmas in general. Um, guys, if you have not read the Father Christmas letters, you really need to. But, yeah, and I, I, but now I've kind of, I have now run out of Christmas ideas for this show. So <laughs> next year, you know, I came up with the gift guide idea and now Father Christmas. So next year we're, well, I have a year whole year to think of something else. So, well, isn't next year the, the gift will be getting uh, the War of the Rohirrim because that's coming out, I think, in oh, December. Yeah, it's December. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Since it got pushed back. <laughs> But yeah, that's it for this episode of The Secrets of Middle-Earth. But before we go, we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make this show possible, including Kenneth B., Chris S., Michael D., Vincent N., and Dennis B. Their generous donations help us to continue to create The Secrets of Middle-Earth and all of the shows here at StarQuest. And you can join them at sqpn.com slash give and so now we'd like to hear from you guys have you read the father christmas letters are they a holiday tradition at your home uh, did we miss any crucial connections to the middle earth legendarium you can let us know all these things at sqpn.com slash middle earth or on our facebook page or on twitter or by sending us an email to middle earth at sqpn.com or by leaving a comment on youtube and by visiting our channel on the StarQuest Discord server at sqpn.com slash discord. And be sure to join us in 2024, the new year of the podcast, where I believe our next episode will be one that we actually recorded earlier this year, and that is a review of the Fellowship of the Ring live-action film yeah. directed by Peter Jackson. And it came out in, what, 2001, if I'm not mistaken, right? I'm, I'm right. Uh, I believe so. Yeah, yeah 2001. That's right. Until then, um, thank you, Patrick, for joining me and sharing the secrets of Middle Earth. You're very welcome. Wonderful to be here, and happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. And Jeff, thank you as well. 
Thank you, Thomas. I got to go. The North Polar Bear is busting down my door. (laughs) (laughs) Better give him some Christmas cookies. What's he gotten himself into this time? (laughs) (laughs) And once again, I'm Thomas Salerno. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Middle-Earth on StarQuest. And Merry Christmas. Hi, folks. This is Dom Bettinelli, CEO of StarQuest, with a special message as we approach the Christmas season. Five years ago, StarQuest launched Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World, which has become one of the most popular Catholic podcasts. The show educates and entertains tens of thousands of people every month, exploring mysteries and showing how we can use critical thinking to evaluate extraordinary claims. We're very proud of how Mysterious World has grown and fulfills our gospel mission. But we're not done yet. We are reaching tens of thousands, but even more people could benefit from hearing this and all the shows at StarQuest in our unique apostolate of spreading the gospel with podcasts and videos. To keep growing, we need your help. In the course of those nearly 300 episodes of Mysterious World, we've continually improved the show, adding a video version and animations that help illustrate the concepts we discuss. We've also begun adding video to our other shows as well to enhance their presentations and reach new audiences. We've also launched new shows, most recently, The Secrets of Sacred Art, which is best enjoyed as a video. And we have plans for even more growth, bringing the light of Christ to even more people online. We need your help, though, to make that happen. We have many generous supporters, but as time goes on, some people inevitably have to step back from giving. As a result, our resources have started to decrease. That's why it's very important that we hear from you this Advent and Christmas, the time of year when nonprofits receive most of their support for the year. If you're already a supporter of StarQuest, we thank you and ask you to prayerfully consider increasing your support at this time. If you're not yet a financial supporter, please become one now. Every gift counts. Could you give 15 or even just $10 a month? Whatever level of support you can offer, please show your support for SQPN this Christmas. And remember that your gifts may be tax deductible. Just go to sqpn.com slash give. That's sqpn.com slash give. And may God bless you this Advent, and may you have a blessed Christmas season. Christmas.